0: Thanks for tuning in to Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Verscherer right here on the Leadership Lowdown. And from time to time, I have an opportunity to meet people throughout my business endeavors. And one of the things I've done is try to pay attention so I can bring you some really interesting guests. And I have met somebody that I think is just a top-notch individual and somebody I'm proud to introduce to our audience. Her name is Diana Henderson. She is the president of Hummingbird Management Compliance Group, LLC. So Deanna, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you, Vic.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you. And you're actually in Lansing today, which is not your normal operation. So uh, where's home for you right now?
1: Home for me right now is in Chicago, Illinois.
0: Yeah. And you didn't start out in Chicago, though, did you?
1: No, not at all. I am originally from
0: Detroit, Michigan. And after living in Detroit 40 plus years, I moved
1: to Miami for three years. And then after that, I'm over here living in Chicago,
0: but my heart and soul is in Michigan. I love it. Well, we'll take that. And as Michigan Business Network, that's the kind of people we want to talk to. So that's good stuff. Well, listen, if you could, while we get started and try to unpack this whole thing, I'm just mesmerized by some of the information and knowledge and wisdom that you have. But why don't you tell us what you currently do, kind of the elevator speech of what that is, just so people understand what Hummingbird is all about.
1: Sure. I started Hummingbird Management and Compliance Group. A little bit over 14 years ago, and it is a organization that is responsible for all things or matters related to the affordable housing industry. So I'm a consultant that is very passionate about the work and passionate about helping all stakeholders from property owners to residents to executive directors of housing commissions, making sure that they are in compliance with state, local
0: guidelines. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many of those uh, guidelines and rules and different things that are all there. And anytime you're dealing with uh, governmental programs, uh, it comes with a series of complexities. But then also, you know, you're dealing with people and people's lives. And there's different things that you can do that makes that a more palatable opportunity to share the way things should be done. So take us back to the beginning of this. You were born and raised in Detroit. And did you get into housing right away? Did you go off to school? What was the early years for the Henderson family? Sure. I actually am a graduate of Michigan State University.
1: And after I graduated, of course, like some graduates, I was looking for a job. And someone said, hey, apply over here to the city of Detroit, which I did. (laughs) And they hired me as uh, one of those assistant managers, I think is what they called them, and placed me into the housing department. And that is where I began in March
0: of 1996, a little bit over about 25 years ago. Well, good for you. And, of course, it's interesting because your path is a little bit there where it's hands-on. And that hands-on experience really brings you a lot of firsthand knowledge that I think you can share with people as they start thinking about some of the complexities and different elements along the way. But you were just a babe at that time. So tell me, was there somebody there that hired you, that believed in you, that kind of pulled you aside and said, hey, come here, young lady, I want to talk to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, started as a, an assistant manager
0: to an industry that I knew nothing about. Right. And as a, one of those individuals that is very analytical,
1: I like to learn. I like to understand things. I like numbers. I didn't necessarily like people at that time, but I learned (laughs) to like all types of people, but there was a gentleman by the name of Carl Green, who was the executive director at that time, and he actually promoted me, my first promotion, into a property manager. Mm. And then from being a property manager, that's where I really got to learn the end out of how to run the industry and all of the different layers that goes with managing affordable
0: housing. Well, and that must have been quite a move for Mr. Green to do that. He must have seen something in you as a young person in the early years that made sense to him to give you those kind of responsibilities, right?
1: You know, when I think back on it, you know, sometimes they say, don't ask a lot of questions. You'll <laughs> right. be the one that's assigned to do the work. <laughs> so at that time, I didn't know anything about that. I asked a lot of questions about therapy. That was and I had my little clipboard, and I think at that time that was impressive or at least that individual's eye
0: of somebody wanting to be promoted and wanting to
1: excel and I guess just wanting more work
0: well you know that that is really amazing and I say that because I remember years ago there was a speaker by the name of Dr. Mescon that I heard one time and he was a professor in college area and one of the things that he told his students he says if you really want to make an impression and really get ahead in the world here's what you got to do you got to show up and everybody's like what? And he says, Yeah, show up. But if you really want to blow people away, show up and be interested. And then he says like show up on time and be interested and And work hard. You will knock the world off its axis. And so it's just kind of funny, and it sounds like you're the living proof of that. And I'm just so excited to work with you today and try to unpack the rest of the story about Hummingbird and about all the great things you're doing to help maybe some of the people that aren't as fortunate as you and I and have them uh, maybe have a little brighter future. So we're here today with Deanna Henderson. She's going to be sharing some great ideas here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Virchero. Thanks so much for tuning in.
2: Time. Like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. Because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LAFQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com homeequity home equity. LAFQ,
0: your credit union for life. This is Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic I'm So proud to host Leadership Lowdown and so glad that you joined us today. And I'm really glad we have with us today Deanna Henderson, the actual president of Hummingbird Management and Consulting Group, LLC. And so she's out of Chicago, but she has deep, deep roots here in the great state of Michigan, and I'm so glad she took time out. She's actually here on a contract locally in the Lansing area and uh, doing some work today, and so we tracked her down and got her with us today. But, you know, uh, Deanna, as we talk about uh, some of the things that happened in your early years, sometimes because we have maybe uh, people just starting out in their careers that are tuning in, things weren't always the way they are today, right? Can you take us back to yesteryear a little bit and, and tell us about some of the early challenges you had? Yeah, I can take you, back. So, of course, uh, that was uh, 25 years ago when I started, and so things have evolved very quickly, I think.
1: But when I started, we didn't have laptop computers that individuals have today. We didn't have a copier. And, you know, where I worked for the city, municipality, so the city was, you know, a little strapped for cash during those times. Sure. So we didn't have copiers. We didn't have cell phones. I think back in the day, if you remember beepers, Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Wait, why are you asking me?
1: You a beeper. Because <laughs> when you got the beep, you had to find a phone. Yeah.
0: Oh, gosh, that's so funny.
1: Yeah, but it's really interesting today how things have changed. Just to be able to use technology now to help enhance the work. But back then, we didn't have that. So it was important to learn how to navigate
0: without having those types of technology. And for that matter, not even knowing that some of the things today can even exist—you know—you yeah. can have your
1: phone and take a picture. We didn't have those things back here.
0: Yeah, so. just amazing. And of course, one of the things I think you would agree, uh, Diana, is that the speed at which everything seemed to pick up as technology came in—it did make life easier in some ways, but in many ways, it changed it in lots of other dramatic ways, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Because we still
1: have to be conscious of the individuals that we serve. They may not be acclimated to all of the latest technology. And so we still have to learn how to navigate within, when we're working with individuals that haven't been as fortunate as some of the rest of us are with being able to use certain devices and certain items.
0: And I think that's really powerful because most of the work and responsibility you're working with are those that are living in low-income housing in tough situations that many of us are grateful it hasn't been something we have to deal with, and so when you talk about this, you kind of have to meet people on the road that they're at, right? You have to find where they're at, what their level is, what their needs are, and then try to work, especially technology or maybe some of the other programs, into where they currently are. Is that fair? Yes, that is fair.
1: You absolutely have to be patient with individuals.
0: Yeah. You have to have
1: a sense of
0: patience. Well, and I think when some of the challenges that you have there, tell me in your world, because I got to believe I've watched you in action. You have remarkable people skills. And one of the things that I think is important is where did you learn those? How did you develop those? Is that school of hard knocks? And somebody grab you by the ear as a young lady and say, hey, get over here. How do you develop that?
1: You know, I think developing it over the years and being a triple and honest with the state of society or the different levels that individuals are and respecting individuals at the level
2: that they are, you know, not to look down on individuals. You know, Mm -hmm. I have a strong spiritual guider, and
1: I come from the school of how would you want your mother or your grandmother (laughs) to be
0: treated? Very nice. Yeah, absolutely. That's an important question, I think, to offer up to Anybody inside of an organization, whether they're the frontline people, whether they're management at the very top or sitting around a board table, is how do you want to be treated? Years ago, I was standing in line and I had an elderly lady in front of me and she had bought two bags of potatoes up to the cashier because it was buy one, get one free. And she says, I only need one bag. How much is it if I just get one? And the cashier says, well, you got to pay for one and the other one's free. And as this exchange went on, I thought to myself, my gosh, would you really talk to your grandmother or somebody you loved and care about the way that this cashier was treating this elderly person? And sometimes what's just plain as day for you and I is just foggy and not clear to so many other people. And that's part of what you're telling me. You help and try to coach people to sort through where people are truly at, right? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That is so. Important to me because some of us are just a paycheck away of being in the same situation oh, as yeah. other individuals. And my charge is, and I developed this over the years, I know that I am charged with helping individuals. Now, how I help them, you know, I'm still kind of navigating that road, but first and foremost, I have a passion for helping individuals. And that can either be helping them to teach them, helping them to guide them, help them with the paperwork. And so, all matters related to assisting individuals, I believe that's
0: what my charge is. Man, that's good stuff. And I'm just so glad you're here helping me as an individual because we're going to talk about some of the great leadership comments, context, and some of the great things that you do in your business. So, thanks for tuning in here on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks for being a part of the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back with Deanna Henderson.
1: Hi, This is Chris Holman and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the Internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business.
0: This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network, and I'm grateful today to have with me what I consider a friend and somebody that I've just been so interested in in terms of some of her leadership skills. Her name is Deanna Henderson. She's the president of Hummingbird Management and Compliance Group, LLC. She's out of Chicago, but she's all over the country in terms of her work and the things she does. And so, Deanna, as we were talking that last segment, I love what came out organically, and that's... People that get to know you understand that's what's in your heart is your passion to help people and to try to make a way forward. But it's not always easy and sometimes trying to figure out the direction of where you should go. And you had a bit of a formula that uh, you had mentioned to me. Maybe we could unpack it here in this segment. I think it was seven steps altogether. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So I learned this when I was you my master's degree is the seven steps to problem solving. And so early on, as I was growing up, my mother would always tell me there is no problem that cannot be solved. That's why we have erasers on counsel <laughs> And yes, I never understood that as a young age, but I understand that more and more as time go by, most problems can be solved. Now, how you approach the problem-solving technique may be a little different, but I come from a school that most problems can be solved one way or the other, and I think that has made me or uh, availed me to be successful in my organization.
0: That's so cool. And you said there's seven of them. Is this something you learned in that master's program, or is it something you caught along the way, you developed? Where did it come from?
1: I learned that while working on my master's program, but also applying that to every day, applying these seven steps. So I can go through those seven steps.
0: Let's Um, do that, yeah.
1: All right, so number one, clearly identify the problem. What's the problem? You know, sometimes we have a hard time understanding what the problem actually is. Once you identify the problem, what
0: have No, I don't want to go through these too fast because I think you've yeah. got some real magic here for us. And clearly identifying the problem, one of the things I think that I hear, Diana, is that sometimes people aren't listening or maybe hearing what we're saying or maybe we're not hearing what they're saying because words have meanings and people sometimes throw things around and what they meant to say sometimes isn't what somebody hears. So when you say define the problem, that's no small task. You should spend some serious time there to make sure you fully understand all of the ins and outs that have created that problem, right? Exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah. You really have to define what is the problem. Because you may go down the road of solving one issue And that may not even necessarily be the
0: problem. Right, right. And so part of what, as you work on defining the problem, are there any techniques? I guess, to me, it sounds like you got to ask a lot of questions.
2: Yes,
1: definitely ask a lot of questions. That goes to number two. Asking those questions, asking those areas that led us to that problem. What is the issue? Why does the person believe that this is the problem? Sometimes people say things are problems, but it's not actually a problem. So framing that in the right mindset.
0: Well, and then also, what do you think about perspective? So when you ask those questions, you might have one person's perspective coming at you with that, but isn't it wise to also see if I can find other people that have been engaged in that problem to see if their perspective is the same as yours? Yes, absolutely. You want to look at
1: your stakeholders that's involved with that task, Also, looking at surveying your network, you know, being in this industry for 25 years, there are individuals that I can call on or count on or send an email out. So reaching out to the people that are in your network or in your group to ask those questions, you know, a -hmm. lot of times things aren't new, you know, (laughs) someone may have gone through something already, no sense of reinventing the wheel, you can build your network you have someone that you can call and ask.
0: And D, I, I just love what you just shared there. You know, a lot of times these things aren't new and you're so exactly right. Especially, you know, I've been kicking around business for about 40 years. And so, honestly, when you say it's not new, you're right. There's so many things that are typically not having to reinvent the wheel. They're coming at you in some pretty normal circumstances. And an awful lot of it, I find, is lack of communication or people not listening, not hearing, and not saying some of the right things to get their point across. So number one is identifying, clearly understanding the problem, and number two is asking a lot of questions. What's number three?
1: Number three is considering the possible solutions through your research and investigation. So we talked about that a little bit, reaching out to individuals within your network, you know, if you're a subject matter expert, or even if you're working in the industry, knowing where to do your research, what are those websites, what are those Mm. publications that you need to look at, what are those you know, information sources or guidebooks that you need to
0: research and investigate in order to lay out what those possible solutions are going to be. And you didn't say it, but what I heard was trusted resources, right? Yes. Things and organizations, and even I would say that you mentioned a lot of resources. There's probably some other pretty wise people within your frame of reference that you can also ask for additional information on their thoughts when you're up against challenges like that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and challenges are one of the biggest things that for any organization to try to work through. And I just love the facts we're kind of unpacking these seven steps. We've got one, two, and three right now. But we've got to go pay some bills, Dion, And we're going to go get that done and uh, come right back here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Bercero. Thanks for tuning in.
3: has an unwavering belief that all people deserve the opportunities provided by living in healthy communities. They've lived that mission for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sanair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. You don't make that kind of broad impact without a skilled, diverse, and highly valued team. That's one of the reasons Sanair has been consistently named a top place to work by Detroit Free Press, a crane's Detroit Cool Places to Work, and a best nonprofit to work for. Learn more at www.sanair.com.
0: You found the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Berchereau, and I'm really enjoying my hands getting a little tired and cramped up, uh, Deanna, from all the notes I've been taking. But we've got Deanna Anderson, and she's the president of Hummingbird Management and Compliance Group, LLC, and she is here with us today. And one of the things we're talking about is the seven steps in terms of problem solving is that she's helping us unpack that. And so take us back through one, two, and three, and let's go to four. All right, so just to recap, number one is to clearly
1: identify the problem. And our number two is to analyze those reasons for the problem. And number three is consider those possible solutions in research and investigation. Mm. So what are those possible solutions? You're going to maybe have like your A, B, and C list. And so number four is based upon what A, B, C, or A through Z list. Select the best solution. Which one is going to be the best one for your organization in order to solve that clearly identified
2: problem? So that will come with when you do that selection, making sure all of your
0: stakeholders are on yeah, board. Very go good. Go you a no, Well, I didn't want to go too fast because I want to make sure we just spend a minute on this because if you're dealing with this list, <laughs> you've got some issues and you're trying to get to the bottom of that and really make some good suggestions. And, and as you talk about select the best solution, Deanna, in your life and your life experience, have you, you've been confronted, just like me, I would bet, with not very many of these solutions are very good ones. I, I mean, you got to pick sometimes the best solution out of a vat of bad solutions, right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: The path
0: of least resistance. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one that will hurt people the least or might be the least intrusive or whatever it is, but sometimes I've had a field force of 500 people that reported through my world and part of what I can just remember talking with some of those people that would be frustrated with me or my decisions or things that I would have done I would just remind them look confronted with the same information and facts that I have on all the pressures from all the sides I don't think you'd make the decisions much different than I would and I think that's one of the things that comes to mind right? Yes,
1: exactly you don't want to shoot from the hip, you don't want to just quickly make a Solution to a problem without during that analysis or evaluation first, because otherwise, shooting from the hip, you may not have all of the
0: information that you need to make an informed decision. Right, right. Well, and I just love that. I think uh, select the best solution. We always talk about the Franklin T square. Do you ever use those? D. No. Well, the Franklin T square is you take a whole blank sheet of paper, line down right through the center of it, draw a line at the top. And on one side, you write pro, and the other side, you write con. So here's the pros. If I do this, this is the proactive good things that will happen. If I do this, these are the bad things on the con side. And when it's all said and done, you weigh those out, and which one is going to win, pro or con, and that's kind of the old Franklin T-square. And, of course, that's the whole deal of trying to get good solutions. You've got to make sure that you understand what those solutions are and how they all impact everything else. Well, I love that. So what comes after four?
1: The Four is you're gonna evaluate that solution. So you've selected your best solution. So now time to that evaluation. So I'm working on a project now where the solution that was presented may not have been what we initially thought would be the actual solution. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> <laughs> Into so many details. Right, right. But based upon the research and investigation, and just the enormity of things that have been coming up recently we've had to go with a solution that just not would have been thought of in the past 60 days. Mm, yeah. And so right now, we kind of evaluate, and sign the contract, so we're going through the evaluation stages where this is our solution. Now, what are we going to do? What are our benchmarks? What is our plan of action? And that's part of that number five.
0: Well, and I just love that, you know, in terms of trying to make sure you've got the right thing. And as you look at that, you've got to really be careful about getting the right data and all of the relevant data. Is that fair?
1: Definitely fair.
0: Yeah, and so sometimes, you know, I just think uh, about how people see things, and we talked a little bit about perspective. One of my favorite examples on perspective is if you were to put your hand straight over your head and look up and make your hand go in a clockwise position around and around, and then as you carefully and slowly pull your arm down until you now are looking down on your hand and all of a sudden you realize your hand is going counterclockwise. Well, it's all about perspective. So from when it's above your head, it looks like you're going clockwise. When you pull it down below, you're going counterclockwise. Well, the same thing can be done when you're talking about trying to evaluate and determine your solutions. You've got to know what perspectives that people are bringing to the table and you've got to verify that you're doing a fact based not just a kind of a this is how I feel kind of thing, right? Absolutely. Well, you have so many situations like this. I know you have good gut instincts, but that doesn't necessarily win the day. You can't rely on too much of that in the end, right?
1: Absolutely. So you want to do your reaching all areas, being a subject matter expert in this area and applying historical knowledge upon the things that are happening in the industry and in politics and changes in rules that are coming down the pipeline. And so making sure that once you evaluate that solution, that you putting some of those things in there that you know what the outcome could potentially be once you put together your plan of action, which is mm-hmm. number six.
0: Yeah. In the business, we call that a cliffhanger. We're going to come back for number six right after this break, and we're going to take just a minute right here to go back. And But I want to take this moment to thank you for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back.
1: Get business as usual. Your office workspace needs to support the way you work today and adapt to your needs tomorrow. DBI is your office environment's partner, a best-in-class, preferred Hayworth dealer, creating great spaces to fit your company's brand and personality. DBI draws from an experienced staff of professional installers and certified designers to develop a working environment to meet your most exacting standard. Learn more at dbiyes.com.
0: the Michigan Business Network I'm Vic Versor right here on the leadership lowdown I have a good friend of ours called Diana Henderson and she is president Of Hummingbird Management and Compliance Group out of Chicago but she does work all over the country and she certainly is a highly sought after consultant and somebody that we sought to have her come and join us and you can tell by some of the information we're dealing with that she has some great thoughts she's helping us unpack the seven keys to problem solving and we left everybody with that amazing cliffhanger (laughs) so help me Dee tell me about number six again
1: All right, so number six is develop a plan of action. But what is that action plan that you're
0: going to develop based upon the solution that you decided to go with? Yeah. Tell me, when you're developing that plan of action, I know it is dependent on how big the problem is and how many different stakeholders and things like that. But as you're developing that plan of action, you probably go out and seek a lot of input at that point in time. Isn't that where you're trying to make sure that you have all the other Elements involved parties weigh in. Is this the right time to gather that?
1: Definitely. Developing that plan of action, basically we're looking at what is the final outcome? Where do I want to be after a specific timeline? So in that plan of action, I'm first looking at that end goal and then within those steps coming up with that plan. But who's gonna be involved in that plan of action? What individuals am I think We staff, do we have to hire temporary help? Do I need additional items? And so really in that plan of action, that benchmark, that's my best best blueprint that no. you're going to follow to making sure that you're going to reach that end goal.
0: So um, do you tell me in your mind what that plan of action should look like. And again, I, that's a tough question because I know it depends in terms of what you're dealing with, but I'm trying to figure out you know, how much time and energy do I want to put into developing this plan of action? How much detail do you think it, it demands? And again, it's it's a situational scenario. But tell me your thoughts on what you like to see.
1: For me, that developed plan of action is very detailed. You know, I'm putting in there which human capital I need. I'm putting in there the resources. I'm literally clocking down to each day what we're going to be doing what
2: we're going to be working on, who's going to be working on what. But then what I've learned over the years is to leave some room for
1: errors, leave some rooms for pickups along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right. Well, <laughs> Well, I think that's wise. I mean, you know, sometimes I have led teams where we built uh, such a plan and we didn't allow for any, uh, you can call it what you want, fluff time or whatever, but it's the old makeup time. Hey, these things didn't come together like we thought and we've scheduled everything so tight there was no budge in that whole plan. So I love what you did right there in terms of all of the challenges of trying to make sure we keep things on the straight and narrow. So tell me about number seven.
1: Number seven is implement the solution. Mm -hmm. So now we have our plan of action. Let's
0: go. Yeah. Let's
1: do it. Let's everyone on board. Let's get to get
0: Yeah. Well, and as you do these, tell me about the critical components, because in my mind, the first thing when you say implement the plan, the first thing that comes to my mind is possibly the notion of communicating what the team has come up with, the, the direction we're going. Is that fair? How big is communication inside that implementing the plan?
1: Oh, communication along every step of the way. You know, you have to set out your times that you're going to meet, your regular meetings or your reports that you're going to be turning in to make sure that you're staying on track. So that communication is key for all stakeholders, even for the ones that you believe may not be, the ones that have some benefit or some value added. And I'll just think of in my world, in the world that I work in, it could be those resident council individuals. Mm -hmm. It could be the assistant managers, it could be one or two residents that are advocates for the property because sometimes they may come up with the simplest
2: solution that, you know, the think tankers don't think about because <laughs> right. they are not in,
3: in the weeds.
1: Yeah.
2: But sometimes in the weeds, they may see things
1: a little differently. And, you know, just for instance, one project that I'm working on, I always tell individuals, we'll make sure we have a box of weed glasses. So they said, well, why do you need reading glasses? And what well, we're dealing with some elder residents. They may come down and fill out their paperwork, and they can't read. Mm-hmm. So let's go and get reading glasses. So that was something <laughs> that I picked up along the way. But it's one of those simple things that when you're on a high level, you may not necessarily think about it, but that was because a resident came in and said, hey, do you have any extra reading glasses? And I said, you know what? I want to make sure
0: that I always have me right. <laughs> uh, I think that's just so wise because you're exactly right. Wherever you're at in that whole implementation process, no matter what your role is, you see that world from that different perspective a little bit. And I just think that that's just so wise to be able to unpack it in those directions and make sure that you know where to go. But one thing, we're running out of time here on this segment, but I just wanted to mention part of what I see is that there's such a powerful opportunity when people... Own the message, and what I mean by that, D, is that if you've got all of the underlings and everybody working hard to develop the plan, you've come together with a great plan, and now you got the grand poobah that's in the room that's in charge of everything, and that person doesn't know the plan, wasn't involved with developing the plan, but they've got to stand up in there and try to convince everybody in the room that it's a good plan, it's going south quick, and those are the kind of things that I think. You highlight in terms of know your role, know the team, and develop that communication strategy when you get ready to implement that plan. Well, there's so many plans we can implement, lots of things we want to do here with UD. So glad you joined us here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We'll be right back. <music>
3: in a job you love? Get a career in one year. Douglas J. Aveda Institute is a top cosmetology school offering day or evening classes, financial aid, grants, and flexible payments available to qualified enrollees. Classes start soon. Call now for tours or request more information. 877-311-8957 or visit douglasj.edu. Douglas J. Aveda Institute. Start your future now.
0: found Leadership Lowdown, and we found Deanna Henderson, the president of Hummingbird Management and Compliance Group, LLC. And Deanna, I just love what we've talked about today. I just think you're so skilled and so wise and a wonderful person to be around because you just bring confidence to that situation. That's got to be one of the challenges as you think about somebody that brings you in as a consultant. It's not because it's going so famously well and they just want to have somebody reaffirm it. It's generally because they've got challenges they want to address and things that you've got to fix. Is that fair?
1: That is fair, Vic. And actually, as I think upon it, most and not all of my business has been through word of mouth. Mm. And so someone has recommended me or someone has given my name as a person that you need to call in order to help you out or help you for a particular situation. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well, I have a great friend of mine that was highest compliment. I think he puts on the bottom of all of his business cards. His highest compliment is a referral. That's got to be something that's pretty powerful. So in your world, you come in with your hummingbird knowledge and resources that you bring to the table. Is most of what you're doing is unpacking the challenges using the seven-step that you just reviewed with us? Or where do you start when you're brought in? Absolutely.
1: Using those seven-steps, really asking that executive director or asking that, individuals those key questions on what I need to know in order to formulate a plan of action. And so sometimes they just know they want it fixed. You know, yeah. they sometimes don't want to deal with all of the ins and outs. They don't want to know, you know, the different stuff. They want to know can you fix this yet? How much is gonna cost? I give you my prizes and then how long it's going to take. Yeah. Well, you know, then I get turned to the you know the person that's really involved in the day to day develop that rapport with them so we're working
2: hand in hand to be able to solve whatever problems that have been put on the table.
0: Yeah, so part of what must be in your heart, I know you mentioned you want to help people, but in your spare time do you put puzzles together? I mean, are you kind of a (laughs) problem solver? Is that where you go with this?
1: It's funny that you ask that question in my spare time. I am actually um, a (laughs) knitter. How about that? (laughs) And I'm one of those men that like to go to the yard store and buy a bunch of yarn
0: and have a project and never finish it. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you don't have time with your schedule like all that. Well, I, when you think about it, Donna, tell me about, it's a pretty gutsy move to go off into your own consulting firm. And I just wonder, was there somebody along the way that kind of gave you that tipping stone to get you into that whole genre of maybe I could help others in a different way?
1: Yeah, I met a uh, lady by the name of Dee Strong, And so, as I said earlier, I was working for a housing authority, and um, we were in trouble, and HUD had to come in and bring some additional assistance. Mm. And her company was selected to come in and help our housing authorities get off of the trouble list. And I met this young lady. She looked like me. And I said, oh, my gosh, is this something that I could possibly do in my future? Uh-huh. And I just was very involved in her company and her style and how she handled me and her wisdom. And so I studied, her. I studied you know, her background. I talked to individuals that worked with her. I learned what they, you know, some tips that they brought to the table
0: on what you can do and how you can do it. And then the opportunity presented itself for me to go out on my own. And that's exactly what I do. Isn't that cool? You know, it's funny, Dee, I think, you know, without being too over the top here, I just have always found in my life that when I need somebody the most, God has found a way to put them in my life. And so it, it's just such a great way for you to be in a situation as a young lady, to see somebody that inspired you. And I would venture a guess, maybe she didn't know that you were looking at her that way. And I just have always encouraged people to Drop a letter back down to those people in life's trails that they've meant a lot to you because you just never know and you never know how you're touching someone. You might not even think it's anything special, but lo and behold, there's younger eyes or eyes on you and they're making decisions about their future and you're inspiring them. That's so cool. And I love that you have somebody like that in your life. So how would we get you in our life if we want to try to figure out if Hummingbird was the right organization to help our team?
1: All right, so I do have a website. It is ww.hmg dot com. And so that's H as in Henry, B as in boy, M as in Mary, G as in girl,
0: llc.com, dot com. And of course if you search my name on LinkedIn, you'll be able to find it. That's right. That is Deanna Henderson. And, of course, it's Hummingbird is the organization. So thank you so much, honestly. You and I talked about this, and I had some expectations, but you completely blew them away in such a positive way. Thank you. You're
1: welcome. Thank you, Vic,
0: for having me. (laughs) Well, you're the best. And I can't thank you enough for being a part of it, Dee. And I'm looking forward to seeing you later on this week, as a matter of fact. So I wish you well, and I know that you don't need that because you're doing great things. And all of you out there are doing great things as well. And one of the great things you're doing is listen to the Michigan Business Network right here on the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Virchero. I am so grateful that you tuned in. Have a great one and talk to you next time.